smartcast.com This is the morning brief from the Economic Times produced in collaboration with avas.com 2021 may turn out to be the age of maturity for startup ecosystem in India with the likes of Zomato, Delivery, Policy Bazaar, Freshworks, Flipkart, Nike eyeing the IPO route. Is the public willing to wager on them by buying their shares or will these startups continue to remain companies that are yet to come of age? From the Economic Times, I'm Devina Sengupta and you're listening to the Morning Brief. I've invited Karthik Reddy, co-founder and managing partner at Bloom Ventures, one of India's leading early stage venture funds, and Samida Sharma, my colleague who heads the startup team at Economic Times. I want to find out from them why are Indian startups heading the IPO way now. Hi Samida and Karthik and thank you for being with us on the morning brief. Hi Devina. Hi Samida. Thanks for having me Devina. Thank you for being with us Karthik and uh, I'll start with you Karthik. A host of startups are aiming to go public this year. What does it mean for the Indian startup ecosystem? Will these IPOs be as big as recently listed DoorDash and Airbnb? I don't think we've reached that scale, but I, I think it's an unfair comparison. What you need to compare is, uh, you know, the relative scale of the economies that we operate in and the relative baselines that we have. Um, I mean, I guess everybody is waiting with bated breath for the same answers because we've not seen how. Uh, you know investors international or indian respond to the indian unicorns on the public markets so um i think everyone's excited nervous but i feel extremely bullish and optimistic that this is a new era for how startups will find the path to liquidity and wealth creation not just for investors but for employees and founders as well Right so for you it's a new era Karthik remember in 2019 you wrote a blog in which you mentioned how the limited partners have always questioned you where are the exits for investors in a startup in India you think the time has come up for it now No absolutely i think uh, you know combination of things uh, you know one of the rare side benefits on the positive side of a covid like era is a lot of introspection a lot of focus on unit economics what was triggered by some of the market uh, alabalu around uh, consumer startups in late 19 uh, post the uber listing and the we work failure etc was that it is inevitable that we have to build towards that path uh, and uh, i think the buzz that started in indian circles on account of that plus the lp pressure to start seeing large scale liquidity outcomes not just a handful of secondary exits and the one off large mna uh, that wasn't sustainable right to be able to build a, a exit ecosystem which relied only on that and it was not like we didn't have enough companies i think we were postponing the inevitable and i'm glad that you know the cutover from 19 to 21 in just 18 months it looks like an entirely different universe and we are on the verge of maybe 8 10 15 ipos in the next 12 to 18 months that's a masky ipo happening this year uh, samida you have seen these startups right since their birth but uh, what are the kind of headwinds that they could face which may hinder their ipo plans so uh, devina I, i don't know about headwinds and roadblocks because like kartik mentioned there's not much of a precedence you know for uh, indian new age uh, you know tech companies and startups in india 
to have seen or uh, you know there's been no one set of uh, companies which have done this uh, sort of uh, you know in in a big scale i mean the earlier ones have really been make my trip and uh, nokri infoet etc which is uh, of a different sort of generation so i mean there's everything right now is what will become of some of the first you know few companies which will uh, hit the public markets and we see from there how it sort of goes um so the real test is uh, you know this year which out of these 6 7 potential ipos actually happen uh because there is you know there is a a lot of procedural stuff which goes in before you kind of uh do your ipo uh from the filing your uh, drhp etc and there could be roadblocks there now samida because that was a very important segue you gave me that the procedure and which is exactly where i wanted karthik to help me understand that the indian system does not allow loss making firms to list but do you think the regulator is sensitive enough and realizes that the startups are high growth but low profit there is no definition of startup as per the company act or as per the regulators right uh, so it becomes very difficult to define why a rule should apply to a consumer internet company versus a saas company versus a cement company just for argument's sake right and so the approval and approach has to be on a case by case basis it is not unprecedented there have been cases like this uh, the regulator i think is waiting for these applications to flow in because it was much easier to go down the path of a soft bank or private investors who don't have all these you know regulatory ring fences around what it takes to raise capital because that was seen as the objective right that you you're doing this to raise capital not to whether you're building a long term legacy for the business and continuity for the business and being tested and measured by institutional investors in the capital markets uh, in the public markets rather and so we're at a point where i think the regulator will listen to all those cases and also is trying to provision for a more liberal regime of course there are some questions around taxation and things like that which allow for either us to list through spacs or direct ipos on on nasdaq uh, or any other of these uh, seven eight countries that they've specified so i think they are beginning to suggest that it's time to open this up and open up the options for these people to go list everywhere and anywhere when it's in india i think it will not be as liberally open to retail investors and be more institutional heavy because they want informed investors to take those risks karthik you just took the question i wanted to ask you is that spacs which is special purpose acquisition company in india so we will be seeing more spacs coming up from the startup system No, so I don't think Indian regulations are, are very clear on allowing that within the Indian context. And when you go to the US, what I've heard from our little research that we have done is that they require less complexity, not more. So the acquiring entity, the US uh, SPAC, will look for a US parent to acquire, even if you are creating an Indian, uh, taking an Indian company to that public market, which then means there has to be clarity on are there going to be tax leakages. uh what about the indian shareholders who suddenly see an appreciation of value thanks to the spac acquisition do they have to sell their shares immediately to pay their tax uh, you know uh, gains and pay their tax gains and so uh, these are this clarity is not there but that said as you know not just the new power a lot of some of the largest startups and unicorns have been exploring this somebody told me uh, some sort of an insight tip with no names that something might be announced as early as middle of next month on a tech spac ipo 
a tech company from India doing a SPAC as well. To all our listeners, we also in this podcast break news. So therefore, uh, if you later hear about a tech startup going for a SPAC, remember you heard it first in the morning brief. Coming to that, Samida, the Ministry of Corporate Affairs has clarified that Indian tech companies that choose to list on overseas stock exchanges would not be considered as listed companies in India. You know, these regulatory changes that both you and Karthik are talking about, do you think these changes will happen very soon, which will encourage more domestic IPOs by startups? So again, uh, Devina, I think the regulator and like what Karthik mentioned is actually, um, you know, it, it's not such a big uh, hindrance right now. I think there is a way for even loss-making companies, uh, while SEBI uh, has a regulation that, you know, you should have 15 crore as average pre-tax operating profit in the last three years, you can be a loss-making entity and, and do an IPO in India. It's just that uh, the regulator has stipulated that there should be about 75% uh, you know, institutional participation, right? Karthik, if I'm not wrong, that's... Yeah, even that on a case-by-case basis can be tweaked up. So uh, I, I think what the regulator is trying to do is keep away retail investors from companies, uh, you know, which are typically not your traditional sort of businesses, which are profit making, etc. And uh, more of growth oriented, uh, you know, businesses. And, you know, if, if you look at right now, uh, aside of maybe one or two, a lot of the IPOs in the tech space, which are uh, expected to happen, uh, those are not profit-making companies. From whatever I gather, most of the institutional investors, uh, whether it is mutual funds or other kinds of, uh, you know, uh, buyers who would qualify as institutionals, they they have looked at what has happened in the US, you know, with, um, you know, a spate of IPOs, whether it was DoorDash, Airbnb, I mean, they know and they have a feel of what it is about and they are willing to take that wager, take that bet it's about getting people to buy into the growth story of these startups. And once two or three list and they are successful, it will, um, it will, it'll be like, a, uh, you know, the floodgates will sort of open. My question to you then, Samita, would be what is preventing people from uh, buying into the startup story? Are we shy of investing into a startup? Are you talking about retail investors? Because they've never really had a, a, a you know, they've not had chances to kind of participate. Or are you talking about institutional investors like mutual funds? Institutional investors? Because retail investors, as you mentioned, didn't have a chance. Uh, if, if you look, the few uh, ones which have done an IPO, um, I mean, look at Burger King, which is not a tech company. It is actually a food story. It's also loss making. I'm, I'm not too sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. But a um, lot of people who... I have spoken to said that they've taken a bet on Burger King as a proxy for Zomato and Swiggy. So it's the whole consumption story, which will, which will definitely find a lot of takers. So I don't think we've seen because over the years for the last seven to eight years, uh, you know, during this bull run on private capital, uh, they have not needed to tap the public market, but now, you know, this, um, uh, this new wave of companies which are looking to go uh, public, I mean, it will be a first sort of, you know, set which will go IPO and then only one can say if there was appetite or not. I don't think we know too much at this point. 
Right. Uh, that's very, very important points. And, you know, interesting nuggets there from Samedha. But Karthik, can it be frustrating that we are awaiting the direct listing norms despite the parliamentary yes? Obviously, uh, everything can be faster. Our job is around, we demand speed out of, our LPs demand it out of us, we demand it out of our entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and customers demand it out of each other. Um, but yes, in that sense, uh, it feels slower than it should be. But uh, it's also like, as I said, m- moving mountains in terms of the way the, the setup is and the number of uh, regulators that need to talk to each other for good or for bad. Right, so it's not simply a SEBI issue. It's not a company act issue. It's not an RBI issue. It's not a FMI issue. It's a bit of everything. Right, it's not a tax issue. Uh, all not by in isolation, but all together. There is not, uh, you know, an intent to block, but an intent to enable. The point there is, it's that it's intent to enable. So to that, uh, you know, India has been the biggest talent pool, but uh, low amount of investment, for example, vis-a-vis global markets in the West, then. Both you and Samita basically are saying this. Once these two to three successful IPOs happen, they will kind of swing investor sentiments, and Indian startup ecosystem can look forward to more investments. Yeah, yeah. Three, four, three, four lead indicators, I think, for you. One is the pace at which and the velocity at, and scale at which pre-IPO global investors, public market investors, have come into a company like a Zomato, let's say, right? And uh, whether that now translates to the next set of uh, IPOable companies is left to see. But I, I feel again very bullish on that count. So let's say tomorrow someone uh, like a Nike or a Delivery or a Policy Bazaar announces proximity to the IPO, you can see yet another reshuffle of the cap table, and you will see heavy hitters in the global markets come in. Is I feel what's going to happen. Number one. Number two. Um, they've always said been bellwether sort of front runners for what the Indian counterparts do. You know, growth VCs uh, have from outside the borders of this country are the ones who have fueled the scaling to unicorns in the first place. So when that happens, their colleagues, uh, if Fidelity US is coming into Zomato, then even the Indian colleague will say, what am I missing? And I think that work will start. The second... (laughs) Trickle-down indicator of that, if you've noticed, is, uh, Samita, I don't know if you've seen some of these reports, but in the last six to nine months, every big institutional equities house in this country has put out reports on either fintech or uh, unicorns or top 100 tech or top 50 tech. They're doing investor conferences. Uh, they're packed to the gills from what I hear. So there's enormous interest in trying to understand how can we miss this because where is the Indian exposure in the in your portfolio when the U.S. companies are just scaling like enormously in this in this post-COVID world? So companies have added more market cap than their original market cap in just the space, right? So people are saying, how is this possible that it's only happening in one part of the world? It's inevitable that will happen in India. And the last piece uh, is if you look at companies which are proxies, like uh, Samita rightly pointed out for the consumption story, for the technology transformation story, whether you see Apple in marketing or India Mart or um, our friends in um, uh, Root Mobile, these are all proxies for digitization of the just underlying infrastructure sometimes and digitization of small B2B SaaS, etc. in India. 
and look at their growth in the markets over the last two three years it's, it's stratospheric right and so just if 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 you were actually brought in another 10 20 companies i think there's enormous appetite built up appetite which is why i'm feeling bullish i think there will be a re-rating of all these stocks once they actually are available to the public and the indian institutional investors so some really sunny times coming ahead for the startup system in india but sameda as kartik you know very uh, very nicely brought out those points you know which will completely bring in uh, a change in the investor sentiments tell me to go public and manage the scrutiny of investors and regulators what is expected from the likes of the zomatos and the nikas how can they be more prepared yeah actually uh, you know that's a very relevant question so you know i think it requires at least couple of years uh, you know to prep yourself for the kind of scrutiny and your quarterly results and things like that and you know for the longest time people like travis kalanick the uber founder he very publicly said right that you know the reason why he did not want to take uh, uber public despite many of his uh, you know board members wanting him to was because he wanted to avoid uh, you know that scrutiny so you know that is something that we really have to watch um, and a, a great point there uh, you know when when you asked me initially about the roadblock i think these are things which we will need to see uh, particularly to you know specific companies uh, devina i think uh, you know companies like zomato and policy bazaar because they are part of info edge portfolio they've had the kind of discipline uh to you know be their earnings are sort of folded up into info edge and that's something that uh, dipinder and yashish all of these guys talk about so not so much for them but on the compliance front and and generally like the scrutiny that comes in as a public uh markets uh, you know company will be obviously far more so uh, one needs to watch out uh, all of them uh, all the names that you know we are discussing these uh, these folks are actually if you look they are fundamentally strong businesses i mean if you look at nike i mean falguni sort of done this for years for other companies um you know similarly i mean if you look at lenscard delivery these are not your typical cash guzzling uh, you know companies so um i i'm assuming they've been prepping you know for the last one one and a half years uh, to get that discipline but uh, i i think it's the, the answer to this is only once they kind of become uh, you know public market companies and then they face the scrutiny every quarter uh, you know from investors and uh, you know from analysts and things like that a lot of it will be you know they'll be sort of living and learning Fair enough. Again, for the listeners, when Samita mentions Yashish, it's Yashish Dahiya who is the co-founder of Policy Bazaar. Dipinder Goel is from Somato, and Falguni is from Nike. So just uh, and Samita is on first name basis, but for the rest <laughs> of us. And uh, Karthik, my final question to you is: If I were to ask you, Karthik, the top two IPOs you are looking forward to this year? I know it's a tough one, but uh, two IPOs that. you would lay a wager on um definitely zomato i mean uh, not that i was a original shareholder but i became i became a part of the ride for about 3 years because of our their acquiring rana and have in, in you know a lot of uh, appreciation for both how uh, you know dipinder looks at building a long time business a long term business and i'm you know not close in a, i mean of course i am close to hitesh he is a classmate but i also love infoage's ethos of building long term businesses 
So just seeing that playbook evolve and, and them getting listed, we recently exited uh, in that large round. But I'm just saying I'd, I'd love for that to actually, uh, uh, you know, I want to be able to visualize what Zomato becomes from here on. So definitely rooting for them. And then uh, I don't have, I don't know the other companies or founders as intimately, to be honest. But I have been saying for a few years, two years at least, that I would have liked to see a delivery policy bazaar, um, Lenskart and Nike, all uh, at the proximity of profitability to become bellwethers of listing companies at Billion dollars is what I used to say. Now I hear that all of them are between the two to three billion dollar mark in terms of ambition to list. It'd be fantastic to see them with a selfish interest that I have proxies or number twos or number threes in that space. And I want my companies to get re-rated as well and have a, a indexable company in the public markets. So that's what I would like to see. That's a good one, Karthik. And now some of the IPOs to watch out for for the industry. I would also think, uh, you know, uh, Zomato because looks very likely that, you know, they will list over the next, uh, you know, quarter or so if, you know, all the regulatory stuff is in place. The second one, um, you know, actually all the others, while the timeline is this year, you know how it goes, right? I mean, it, it can, uh, it, it can move to 2022 as well. But I think the second big one, which I think is going to be pretty seminal, is actually Flipkart. It may, it won't be an Indian listing. Uh, I mean, that's what we've been reporting. Uh, but I think it just um, is really uh, significant as a company because of what it did to the overall startup ecosystem. And for it to finally list, despite, you know, being majority owned by Walmart, I feel it'll be important. Thank you, Karthik and Samidha, for chalking out what can be expected from Indian unicorns going public and what it means for the domestic startup ecosystem. There is a lot riding on a handful of these startups. Their IPOs, if successful, will be the turning point for an industry that has attracted a lot of talent but is yet to get its due from the larger set of investors. I'm Devina Sengupta and you've been listening to The Morning Brief. This episode was edited by Anjali Venugopalan and coordinated by Shashwat Mohanty. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode. Do send in your feedback to the morning brief at timesgroup.com and share the episode on your social media networks. The morning brief airs every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Thank you for listening and have a nice day ahead. Stop